Welcome to Convo Lounge Expression Exposure Experience. Convo Lounge Podcast Expression Exposure Experience, where we have conversations that drive social and economic growth. We're continuing to build our community, so don't be left behind. Go on to our social media platforms and use the hashtag or handle at Convo Lounge Africa to engage with us. Welcome to this episode of the Convo Lounge Podcast, and we are here with. Uh, I think we should give you a, a title, hey, <laughs> and call you the resident um, guest of the Convo Lounge podcast. <laughs> I, I'll take that one. Let <laughs> me take that one. <laughs> All right. Well, here, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, with Tabucho Mkhale Mang of Spectrum Analytics to have a conversation, a follow-up conversation to the conversation he had with Yandile Nuku on episode two. So if you do not uh, have, uh, didn't get an opportunity to listen to that, I would suggest that you go back to that episode and listen on to it because we might might keep on giving some references to some of the conversations or points that were covered on that day episode because we want to be here talking about the different opportunities that are available for an ordinary Motswana because when you listen to the second episode of the Convo Lounge podcast, you would listen that uh, majority of the points that were covered were, I would say, at a macro level. Uh, so we want to you know bring it down to say this different infrastructure developments that you guys talked about. How does it speak to an ordinary Motswana? Uh, perhaps maybe we should start off the conversation here and say that are we doing enough to educate the people of the country, people of Botswana, on how to use the different infrastructure that are being um, developed for them? All right. Um, I think uh, I love the point where you are coming from in that uh, technology, like I love to say, is it's a tool. And if we want to then convince people that the tools can add value for them, we then need to speak to things that they care about. We then need to show what these technologies can bring to assist them with their daily challenges because that's how they would get to buy into these. I want to flip your question a bit in that... If you look at most technologies, global technologies that we consume, rarely do these kind of get heavily marketed. Uh, We just find them being convenient to something that we want to achieve. Yes. And then without further marketing, we adopt them. Yes. And that is quite important when it comes to technology. If we build technologies that would add value to people and they share these technologies, there'll be a natural evolution. But we are not doing enough in terms of whenever we introduce new technologies, bring the cost of the services down. I can give you examples around most convenient banking services. Yes, of course, these services could assist people not to spend a longer time on queues. You know, they, they, there are no papers used. They help save the environment. One doesn't interact maybe with a counter, so the company saves costs. Yes. But then you then find an eight-plus additional charge to access the service. So even though we're providing conveniences, more often than not, what I've seen is this also comes at a higher cost. Yes. But when you look globally, whenever there are technologies introduced, they bring down the costs. Yes. You think about 
uh, let's let's take Netflix for example. Look how affordable it is yes. to watch anything at your convenience. Yes. So the thing with is it is it not then an issue of like economies of scale? Um, you know, coming into play there. Uh, to say, or oh, how then would you suggest that we go about it then? <laughs> <laughs> there is an, I think it's also to be creative with, at the business model level. Yeah. I think what I've seen whenever we digitize, we also kind of bring the old model, business model. Uh, we just digitizing the operations and not changing anything around the business model. Yeah. The opportunity is to be creative there. But like you say, economies of scale will always be a factor. If um, the thing that distinguishes most um, digitally mature or enterprises that are thriving in this economy from anyone else is yeah. once they scale, the customer cost acquisition goes down yeah. because the more people connect, the cheaper it becomes. So perhaps economies of scale will be a factor. But more than that as well, it's also for us as service providers to be creative, to think about uh, creative revenue sharing models, even with like the customers themselves, because more often than not, it's still the same institutions bringing these services and they are not adding value beyond just uh, their, their own walls, if one could say. So there are multiple factors there, but it's, it's a tough one. It would need us to take a, like to make, take a study, but otherwise, we'll, any answer would be like thumb sucking. To be honest, <laughs> yes. But, but let's let's look at um, currently right now the government of Botswana and USAF. They have a drive to connect different villages to internet, um, and then when this different infrastructure is brought up. We look at other statistics like the usage of internet in a country. About 61% of our population um, uses internet. But of that 61%, it's not really that you use internet for other values uh, or benefits that it could be. Uh, we're only using it for, for social media. What causes that uh, discrepancy? Um, would it then be ideal for us to continue on investing heavily and a lot of money into these different infrastructure, whereas we're not optimizing them to the full potential of their value. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting effect <laughs> now that you mention it. <clears throat> but if you look at the efforts and intentions of the government and the Universal Service Access Fund, I think these are commendable efforts that the the mobile service providers, they need to be commended there. I think with the USAF, they put up like a percentage of like the revenue towards this fund so that uh, other Botswana won't be left behind as we digitize. They will have uh, internet connectivity, which is uh, essential in us. Um, yeah. if, if we are going to take public services to the people, the internet is import, is an important enabler. Yeah. So we could flip it a bit there. Do we have enough savvy public services on the internet? If we did and people are not accessing them, perhaps we could ask why if things are digital. But 
I don't think a lot of like our services are online. Yes. And maybe that comes back to the point of what we mostly use the internet for. Yes. We use the, as you say, we use the internet mainly for social media. Yes. Does it mean that at our schools level, uh, our students, do they really understand the usefulness of the internet? How it could become like a platform that could help them learn. Yes. Learn any skill at any time from top universities in the world. Yes. Are we showing people that the internet provide access to information and then showing them the information that could be useful to them to help develop them? So I think because the, the, the social media has its own pool. Okay, there are tactics that are being played to get us addicted there. Yes. But that's for another day. <laughs> but when you actually look at the usage, it's, it's, it should be concerning because there's so much that people could get out of the internet. Yes. But what are we emphasizing? Are we providing services that uh, people could actually... Le- access through the internet or the internet on the other end if you are in Botswana, the most appealing thing is social media and yes. the aid, there isn't, there are no other services, everyday services that could prove its usefulness. Yes, but then what we're saying, what we're saying now is we keep on developing these different uh, platforms, applications that we would want to sell to the ordinary people out there. I mean, every Motswana should ideally be uh, a consumer of whatever digital solution that you bring to them, right? Yeah. So then what are we then saying or how can we go about it to actually bring them on board to use uh, these services and actually um, make them their lives better? All right. How do we increase ROI on like these technology investments. Yes. First, are we providing value over those, that infrastructure? Uh, one of the things that I found interesting is, uh, and I'll paraphrase because I may butcher the quotation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are to get into any operation, uh, that is, and then you just, provide technology for the sake of automation. If the processes, if the organization's processes are inefficient, you are going to magnify the inefficiency. So technology in and of itself is never the solution. What we need to do before we digitize is to rethink our value creation process and think about how we could derive higher value of that and how to leverage technology for that specific purpose. So you find that for us more often than not, when we make these investments, for example, let's take the USAF project. Uh, One of the things that have been done was to provide tablets, uh, provide connectivity in schools. Yes. But the teachers themselves were not educated on how to use the same equipment. So now you see if we if we were thinking about value addition, we would have recognized that teachers needed to be involved in the disruption of the classroom environment. Yes. And we we, we could I couldn't we could take other examples as well. Yeah. Uh the, the, the instances again were, for example, 
right now fiber has been connected around the country. Yes. That one is like commendable effort. Yes. But we connected fiber, but then there isn't last mile kind of connectivity from the point where fiber terminates into households. Yes. But these are phased stuff. So which then means even if you were to build an application that could really transform lives. Yes. You'll still be faced with lack of access because people would still struggle with connectivity. Uh, 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 then another thing though, there is not maybe to you as developers say to you that you are not engaging uh, the public whom you are designing these solutions to so that they could maybe lead you on to the right direction to say, create the sort of product which we could easily align to and would be of value to, to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it's what you're saying is spot on. Yes. And um, I'm laughing because it's a challenge that uh, I, I have faced previously. Um, okay. We were funded by Botswana Innovation Fund to digitize the delivery of those COVID-19 food relief uh, for the COVID-19 food relief program, for example. Mm -hmm. So the way we think about innovation uh, is, is a bit kind of warped in that we don't think of innovation and see experimentation behind the scenes. Uh, if we are to build value-adding products and services, we need to consider the user who's feeling the pain point and then try to understand the pain points and what they care about so that when we build solutions for them, because we don't build these solutions for ourselves as uh, innovators, yes. when we build these, we have done research around what the customer really cares about so that we can empathize with them. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, there's a, something called design thinking yes. that allows us to really experiment uh, with different ideas and be able to test our assumptions. Unfortunately, the way we fund innovation here uh, kind of promotes uh, a negligence of that and that you're under pressure to like produce something. Yeah. But whether that something is informed by users' needs and all that, it's not catered for in the funding process itself. Yes. And it's a, it's a bit unfortunate because this also kind of a, comes back to exactly what you are saying. We build these solutions and we need to test them with those who are building for so that we use their feedback to understand where they can be improved. And I haven't seen even corporates they don't do that with their own customers. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's quite fascinating that everyone keeps talking about building this for the market. Yeah. But they really engage those in the market when they're building these to validate them, to give them feedback, which breaks the innovation process and uh, doesn't follow tested and proven kind of approaches that others are taking around the world. Yeah. Uh, let's go for a break. Um, we will continue talking about how to, you know, strive in this digital economy that we keep on uh, proposing. This is Convo Lounge Expression Exposure Experience. Remember that uh, you could give us feedback on our conversation using our WhatsApp line plus 267-7651-992.
Conva Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience. Right, we're back on the Conva Lounge podcast. Remember to follow us on our social media platforms using that handle or hashtag Convo Lounge Africa. We're still here having a conversation around thriving in the digital economy. Just trying to bring it down to you, the ordinary Motswana Nkukukukhae, a young unemployed graduate, a student, on how to tap into these different opportunities in the data value chain in the digital economy as we continue to talk about digitalization digital transformation digital business transformation and what else is what other term is that the ball <laughs> ah there, there are a lot of them yeah there are a lot of them it's a buzzy world but at least we are here to kind of unpack the buzzes. Yes, yes. So earlier on, you touched on about the issues of enabling environment around, you know, the digital economy. The government is doing that part. And how then is it that going to translate to us, you know, the ordinary uh, people? Let's talk about, for example, a young entrepreneur, an SMME, a small business. Um, how do they, you know, align to these different digital technologies? Uh, you did mention that. In our thinking around the business model, we need to see how we can create in such a way that it would be easy to append the digital transformation agenda into the whole mix. Yes. So the the important thing that, you know, any person really needs to first understand about these technologies is that they are tools, as I've said. And then as tools... If you're an SMME, it needs to be, you need to be thinking about how these technologies could add value to your own business. It would mean different things for different businesses across different sectors. But let's let's take an example of a service, for, uh, for instance. If my, my grandmother at my home village, she needs to collect her old age pension, why do they need to go and queue at their post office, for example? Uh, I went down the queue. Is it the best use of that time? Yeah. So we could see that, ah, no, this is a pain point for these particular people. And then we could think about, all right, now with digital technologies, we can transfer money digitally. And then why not have them transfer the money to them digitally so that they they don't spend time queuing. They don't uh, take time, go queue for longer periods of time and all that. Also, if you are maybe a beneficiary, you apply, let's say you're a vulnerable person, you need government social assistance. Why not give you, instead of using manual and paper-based uh, processes, you, you apply using paper, your form can go missing. It can be three months before you benefit or you even hear after six months that, no, your your form can't be found. Yeah. If we digitize this, the turnaround time from people applying for any service to that being assessed and then approved could be a matter of days. Yes. Uh, just recently, you attended the Africa uh, Africa Youth Entrepreneurship Summit. And uh, there you give an example of a lady who was in a retail space. Um, normally the people who sell clothes, maybe on Facebook or WhatsApp, they only think of Internet of Things 
in that light, right? But how else can we then bring um, such issues of technology to uh, enhance our businesses, the small scale businesses? All right. I think it's one of the key issues around digital inclusion. I think for me, like uh, these digital technologies would really be useful if they don't just increase efficiencies for larger enterprises. So in the example that you're bringing, we, we had a, a young lady who was part of the crowd. She mentioned that she sells uh, clothing. Uh, she uses her garage for people to come in and view. And then as you remember, like the, if we have, let's take that as a, as a use case. So for this person, she needs to be home for people to come view their clothes. Also, I'm thinking people will be giving her cash. Yes. So she may be attracting the wrong people. She may get robbed. But then if she's not at home, people cannot see what she's selling. So how could we, if we were to then think about all the missed opportunities that come from running this from a physical position and all the other security factors, how can people still see what she's selling? Yeah even if her garage is closed. So we could take, she could take pictures of what she's selling, put these online, and with a bit of more creativity, with AI now, you know, I could have like an avatar that kind of digitally fits this. Then I'll see how this would look on me even before I buy. So that can kind of improve uh, how channels for interacting with like the customers for them to make decisions, select what they want, then they pay digitally without even maybe coming to her house. And then at the best, the interaction could be around them picking this from her. Yes. Or even get a career service to actually take that. Yeah, too. But, but by then she would, she would have to be out of the garage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but th- these are just small benefits, small little things that, yeah. you know, each sector, they are always opportunities to use some of the existing technologies to just increase efficiencies, to increase the channels towards reaching the customers, and to also kind of simplify access for the customers. For me, if I can do get what I want on the digital, on a digital prof- platform, for example, without maybe any delays, it improves my user experience. Yes. I think if businesses that want to digitally transform make that transformation customer-oriented, then it would really help and they can identify those opportunities because they could look at what their customers are struggling with. So that they then bring efficiencies around that. Yes. And I'm also thinking maybe another way of actually trying to bring it to the people and making it a bit more affordable to the people. We could look at an opportunity of us uh, developing components that actually go into the digital devices that we use. Right. So that doesn't become so expensive for uh, someone at home to actually purchase a smartphone or especially a smart device that they're going to use to interact with the world. I mean, we already are developing or creating components for some of the luxury uh, brand cars in, in Botswana. Now imagine uh, creating something as small as a microchip 
that a company like Ditech is going to use to assemble uh, their computer, their laptop or their phone? Yeah, I think it's to, it's important to think in terms of value chains. So if we were to think about value chains, we'd realize that each digital product really, uh, if you were to break it apart, you'd find that it's made of components from different manufacturers. Mm. So for us here, uh, because of economies of scale, if you are to try to design like a hardware piece, you're going to find that one, you have to bring everything yourself. But then if we had a business A, maybe specializing in providing parts that go into that, then the business that brings all the components together doesn't necessarily need to think like that. And it can be even in instances, if we had to maybe bring it, make it a bit more practical, the banks already have payment platforms. If I'm building a, an application where I want people to pay on that, I should be able to leverage what banks have already built so that I don't reinvent the wheel. So that's how in other places, innovation is able to kind of move fast from an ecosystem point of view, because people recognize that there's no need, if one of us gets ahead, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. We could just use what they already have and create additional value on top of it. So it's quite important, like you say, for us to break it, this into value chains and think about what in which areas along the value chain we can also participate locally. Yeah. But maybe just as we come to, to, to the close of our conversation, look into the opportunity costs that are you know, would be there in us not tapping into this digital economy or in having an inclusive um, digital economy that touches on every element, uh, your individuals, like we said, the corporations that are there, the government. All right. I think uh, they are... Cost of there's a cost of opportunity with uh, uh, failing to really adopt these technologies and to really understand it in a better ways to think about shared value. So more often than not, when we bring these interventions, these technologies, we don't also show like uh, those that we are introducing them to benefit from what how this could add value in their own lives. So as we digitize, we should see that we also risk uh, because of the level of uh, internet coverage that you, like usage that you mentioned, 61%. If we are not going to include uh, everyone in terms of showing them what this tech, how these technologies can benefit them, we risk creating an even more unequal society uh, widening the inequality gaps. We're already in the bottom three in terms of inequality or, or top three. <laughs> yeah, in terms of inequality. Uh, and if you think about it, if we, are not, if we are going to introduce these technologies and not address the underlying biases, we risk widening inequalities. Uh, we should also make sure that we address issues around gender enablement, make sure that 
whether gender shouldn't be a factor in terms of people's ability to benefit and create opportunities for themselves in this economy. Can we ensure that little boys and little girls get equal exposure such that when they grow up, they can then appreciate that this can really benefit them. But when you also think about what is happening in Botswana, there's a uh, the, the government, truly speaking, has done a lot over the years on their own, which is why at the point where we are at, the government, we need other stakeholders, other people who are benefiting from all this capacity that the government yes. is building. I was actually going to come to that because in the Yandile's episode with uh, Keseho, um, last episode, they did mention that he was part of the Google developer community, right? And I'm wondering to somebody who is in Seroa where Keseho comes from, can I give an example where you come from? How well do they know about such an opportunity and your, as the Google developer community, so people who've been part of that, um, how, what are you doing to actually take such to... Yeah, so we we... we we work mostly with students. Uh, I love reaching them young. I've seen that they're, they're not corrupted by what is happening out there when they're students. So they're more still willing to learn. But if you were to think about that, this, this, your, the, the, the question, for example, this is, these are other stakeholders with access to training material, stepping up to build capacity. Yeah. We also need industries to realize the role that they can play. They can provide market access. Uh, they could also, through the corporate social initiatives, support those like the developer communities, for example. We could have had more reach over the years if we had corporate support. But we, we were limited to just perhaps Khaburone and all that because these are initiatives that we were doing out of uh, sheer volunteerism. Yeah. And that kind of limits our capacity to scale. But, but, but what would it take uh, or what resources would you need to actually bring something like that to a community like uh, Mandunyani in, in the north up there? Yeah, uh, I've been to Mandunyani, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> They're always getting like a, a slag. But it's a nice village. Yeah. Uh, to someone in Mandunyani, the truth is, if Mandunyani is connected to the internet, yeah. are we putting in a platform or content that can be thought-provoking, that can lead people, or are we showing people where the resources are? Yeah. So the thing with the internet is, if it's if there are no resources that you know can really help people build the capacity, then they're going to go for what they're used for, which is like just entertainment. So it should be told for us to do well, we need to take an ecosystem approach. Yeah. We need to see that the outcomes that we are, we mostly tend to complain about also come from our collective actions. Yeah. What what does what what do I need to do differently going forward so that we don't recreate the same conditions? What does the government need to do? What do corporates need to do? 
What do our communities need to do? What do individuals need to do? Yeah. I think if we thought about that, then whenever we digitize, we then think about value addition for everyone who's involved, which is why I mentioned the concept of shared value. Yeah. Can we do one thing and then most of us, almost all of us benefit instead of it being one thing done by government and then all of us, uh, essentially, whenever something is done by government, we take a step back, we don't get involved, yeah. and then we only get to complain when results are not what we were asking yeah. for. So let's take uh, this as a, as a homework um, for us, just Spectrum Analytics, Convo Lounge, uh, to think of something that we actually take to the community of... Mandunya. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, thank you very much for uh, having a conversation with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on our show and just continue to have these conversations as we continue to build our ecosystem. And uh, what I want us to what I want to see us doing is actually to live a legacy that would actually take whatever it is that we're trying to develop forward into the next generation. Uh, yeah. And I think we're already doing that. I think the, the, we are planting seeds here. And for me, really, the success of all this that we are doing would really come if the next generation starts from a better position than us. I think we need to be progressively moving forward with each generation. All right. No, thank you very much uh, for uh, coming through to the Convo Lounge podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Dear listener, dear viewer, please remember that we are building a community. So do follow us on our social media platforms, Convo Lounge Africa, or use our WhatsApp line, which is 7651992. Bye. Convo Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience.